Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thank you so much for joining us. Coming up at the end of tonight's show, the truth, not the fake news, but the truth about equal pay when it comes to men's and women's soccer. I'll give you a little hint. It's not what the fake news mainstream media is telling you, so stick around for that. Plus, coming up in just a few moments, the newly elected Madam President of the Fargo School Board, Robin Nelson, is going to join us here live in studio. Talk about what she's going to do to help try, uh, you know, solve some of the challenges and issues that she's facing right now at the Fargo Public Schools. Want to start tonight, though, here with the Secretary of Labor, Alex Acosta, holding a 54-minute press conference earlier today regarding the what I would call the sweetheart plea deal he gave to the sexual predator Jeffrey Epstein while Acosta was the U.S. attorney in Miami. I'm not going to get into all the details tonight. Obviously, it's a long, long story, but I want to just touch on a couple things. And first and foremost, the most important thing I want to touch on tonight about this is I want to ask you this question and take a moment to think about this. When in the world is our justice system going to finally grow a spine and actually provide some real justice to the young boys and girls that are victims of sexual assault and sexual trafficking? I am, I hope you are too, but I'm so sick and tired of watching these sick pedos getting away with this stuff repeatedly. You see it time and time again with the judges, the courts go, well, we're going to let them off or it's going to be probation or what. It's, it's unbelievable to me. So I want to share with you quickly how Acosta defended his sweetheart plea deal decision initially. He said, hey, look, what was going on here is that there was going to be this 13-month jail sentence because that's really what it ended up being for a sexual predator. The reality, again, is this guy, six out of seven days a week, he was out 12 hours a day at his desk working. He did have to register as a sex offender. I get that. But when you look at that kind of a sentence for what, what he did to young girls, and we all know now that it really didn't do anything to change this sick person's actions. He continued to prey on young girls. So Acosta was on to say today um, that a state grand jury out of Palm Beach County was actually going to charge Epstein with just one count of soliciting prostitution. And because of that, he wouldn't have done any jail time. So Acosta steps up to the mic today, tries to portray himself as this sort of hero in the whole deal, wanted to give that sentence some teeth, actually make the guy register as a sex offender, serve some jail time. But there's a couple of very... I don't know, I'm not an attorney, but to me it seemed like very odd things about what was talked about today, how this thing went down. Because remember, Epstein with Acosta pleaded guilty to a single count of solicitation of underage prostitution. So today, so that's what Epstein pleaded to, prostitution underage. So today Acosta was like, wait a second, so are you suggesting then that these young girls who were trafficked, that were assaulted by this predator, are you labeling them as prostitutes? And so Acosta's like, well, no, of course not. These, these young girls are victims of a sexual predator. Well, then why do you have the guy plead guilty to one count of sexual prostitution? I mean, it's such a bad deal, and you, you get these 18 months in jail for it, and you got to ask yourself, again, it was really only 13, where, where's the justice for these young girls? Why is the justice system failing these people when you've got these horrific incidents taking place? And if it's as bad as Acosta said it was, says it was today, why did he continue to investigate, get more evidence, and really throw the book at this slime ball, Epstein? So I want to share this with you for a moment because Acosta also stood up today and he talked about uh, the victim's video testimony. So as he was going through this investigation, there was victims, they would have video testimony talking about the horrific incidents, encounters uh, with sexual predator Epstein. Here's some of what Acosta had to say earlier today. You know, what I've said previously is, look, I have seen these interviews and I can't 
I generally be can't begin to fathom what these victims have been through. I don't think that anyone that has not been in this situation can begin to fathom. The closest I can come is to think, what would I feel like if one of my girls was going through this? And, and I would be, you know, I'm not sure I can say the way I would feel on, on television. Um, but, but even that is different than what the victims themselves went through. And so the point I'm trying to make is everything that the victims have gone through in these cases is horrific. And, and their response is entirely justified. So everything they've gone through is horrific. Their response is entirely justified. And yet this guy, this guy ended up with giving him 18 months. He served 13 while he was walking around going to work 12 hours a day. How is that justice for these girls? This guy ended up giving, there was co-conspirators that were bringing, you know, going out and finding these young girls for Epstein. This guy, meaning Acosta, ended up giving them immunity. These co-conspirators in the whole deal that were preying on young girls got immunity from the deal. It's shocking, folks. So you, you look at this, this guy, you know he's out there doing horrific things to young women, ends up walking basically free, 13 months in an overnight jail. And then, so you hear what Acosta said about the video testimony of these unfortunate victims. So then Acosta's like, okay, so someone asked him, a, a, a reporter says, so what's your message to the victims? He still doesn't apologize for the Lightheart plea deal. By the way, these victims never had their day in court. Okay, they, they didn't know about the plea deal until it was already done. That's why now the DOJ has said what happened here was an illegal deal that was done, but more on that for another day. But so I want to give you that context because then Acosta was asked about, so what's your message to the victims? Okay, think about it. you're a victim. You've just been preyed upon as a young girl. The guy that preyed on you gets 13 months in jail and he's out six out of seven days a week. And then Acosta says this when he says, what's your message to the victims? And as to a message to the victims, um, the message is you need to come forward. What are you kidding me, dude? You gotta come forward? You're the guy that just put a guy in a walk around jail for 13 months. My life, if I'm a victim, has been through H-E double hockey sticks. I don't wanna come forward because you've got all these powerful people that are involved. And then you're telling me with no emotion that I should be coming forward when you're giving these clowns 13 months and able to walk around? That is, the, that is my point from the beginning, folks. When is the justice system finally going to have some teeth and say, look, if you're going to go out there and prey on young kids, we are locking you up and throwing away the key. No questions asked, obviously assuming that he's been, you know, deemed guilty in front of a jury, okay? Everyone's innocent until proven guilty. But if he's proven guilty, that's going to be the dealio. And when these victims now, that, this is exactly why they don't typically come forward because you've got these people that are preying on young girls and then they get these sweetheart plea deals. So let's put some teeth back in the justice system, give it a spine, and lock these people up for a very, very long time. Hopefully that's what's gonna happen in New York. We'll see how this thing shakes out as well. As we know, that's what's brought this thing back to the forefront. All right, let's make it a little bit more local here. First of all, I would love to know your point of view on that. Do you agree it's time for the justice system to get some more teeth and just lock, lock these guys up for a long, long time? A uh, little bit more local, I wanna talk about this real quickly. The Fargo Park District, now former executive director Joel Vettel, Got a severance package, as I'm sure many of you have seen this news, for roughly about $75,000. Here's what I want you to understand tonight. You and me, the people in our community here, we are now paying Joel Vettel not to work, paying Joel Vettel not to work $75,000 for the rest of the year. That's if you include his benefits, okay? But here's the worst part. 
the park district sits down, works out this plea deal with your not plea deal, excuse me, this deal with Joel Vettel, and they want it to be confidential. So you and I are now paying Joe Vettel's bills, paying them 75 grand to not work, and yet the park district doesn't want you and I to know, bottom line, the truth about what happened. To me, that's pretty shocking. I think we obviously need to put the feet on the fire, if you will, to the park district and say, hey guys, we're paying the bills over there. We want to know what went down. I will share this with you. Um, we've done some open records requests with the park district. I do have Mr. Vettel's 2018 uh, job review, if you will. There's some areas there where it says he needs improvement when it comes down to like leadership, problem solving, demonstrating business and job knowledge. So we will continue to follow up, hopefully get you more information about what really went down with the Joel Vettel uh, agreement, if you will, the severance package with you and I paying the bill, but not really getting the truth, the transparency. I think many of you and I would like to see in that kind of situation. Please share your point of view on that. All right, last night, the Fargo School Board, they elected uh, for a third time now, but a new president to the school board, and she joins us tonight live in studio. I'm calling her Madam President, Ms. Robin Nelson. Great to have you here. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's a great, great opportunity to uh, see what you can do, obviously, for Fargo Public Schools, and there's some issues we'll talk about in a minute, but for sure. now, since you've done this before, doing this now a third time, Let's go out 12, 18 months. What's your vision for Fargo Public Schools? You know, I, I, the board is there to support administration. And I, I, what we need to remember is the goal of the Fargo School District is to educate children and to educate children to the community expectations and to do that within the confines that the taxpayers give us. So it's a constant balancing act. And, and laying out priorities is probably one of the most difficult uh, decisions for board members because some things are more important to others and some people have pet projects but if we keep academic excellence at the core of what we're doing I think we're on the right track now there are a lot of other things that are going on that get a lot of public attention but it mm -hmm. all needs to come back to that academic excellence amen to that so with that being said you did mention that obviously the taxpayers are flipping the bill many yep. people at home are gonna say okay I look at what's happening right now. ACT scores are okay in our community. Um, the annual yearly progress reports, okay in our community. You're getting a lot of money from the state. So how can you improve, improve efficiency so that we are continuing to improve education results, but at the same point in time, maybe saving the taxpayers some money? Do you see some places for some more efficiencies? Uh, you know, uh, we always look for efficiencies. And, and I would like to see our board embark on a standard of efforts um, analysis because what our, our what our community expectations are you know our class sizes how many teachers how many administrators we have per student I think that's important that we analyze that because that is truly I feel the most important job for the board is to establish those uh, those levels of expectations that our community demands but we also have to weigh the cost for those and so it's it's a constant balancing act and and there isn't an art or a science it's we do the best that we can with the knowledge that we have at that time but this is your third go around it so is. if i were to say okay you can focus on one thing over the next 12 months to make the biggest impact on our students education what would that be classroom safety mm. so with that being said let's get into that because i want to share a couple stories with our audience maybe that aren't privy to this but as you know Dr. Schatz, our former superintendent, yep. said this is by far the number one problem that we're having right now in Fargo. Yep. It's up 
we can share a couple anecdotes just to give our audience some context. But this was a survey that was done by the Fargo Education Association. 850 teachers, educators responded. Here's a couple things that they're talking about when they go in the classroom. You bring up this first graphic, please. This, this teacher says, I've been bitten, spit on, choked, hit on all areas of my body, slapped, pushed, said they would kill me in detail. We get called derogatory names, sword on a daily basis. I've had chairs thrown at me, all items in a classroom, food, pencils, rulers, broken equipment, desks. As she goes on and on, or he, we live in fear from the moment we walk into the building. Just want to share one more with you because I think that will bring you in here. Every day I dread coming to work because any choice I make could result in me being sued, investigated, losing my teaching job, or even my teaching license. When I was a teacher eight years ago, my biggest worry was whether or not my students were making academic or social progress. Today, I feel fear and intimidation daily and do not feel supported from my administration. What can you do to help our teachers feel more support? You know, there are several conversations happening right now about that at, at the teacher negotiation table. Uh, Dr. Gandhi created a safety committee that includes teachers and administrators and specialists to try to address this, this issue. It, it, I think it's very important to say this is not just a Fargo issue. This is a national issue. I see it in my after school prog pro programs and in my work. Uh, the most alarming thing, Chris, is a lot of these issues are happening with our kindergartners through third graders. Mm -hmm. And that's heartbreaking for me. And so, our, again, our job is to educate these kids to the best of our ability to keep our teachers safe and to keep the <laughs> other kids in the classroom, uh, have their learning environments not interrupted. Now, there are so many nuances and emotions that are completely understandable in this conversation. So that is what board and administration have to, we have to weigh all those things and make the best decisions for the district while while uh, fulfilling the requirements of our, our federal uh, IDEA, Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. So someone recently in an article said, hey, I don't want to say this, but it's the reality is that most of these incidents of violence are happening from special education kids. Now you've got the superintendent suggesting that, hey, maybe we need a level D school, a separate school. Are you on board with that? And if so, what do you, how do you see that playing out? You know, there was a task force that, that tackled that. Uh, Fargo does currently not have a level D school. And so we are not in compliance with federal, federal regulations. We are required to have a federal D uh, services and facility. So we have the A, B, and C, which uh, talks about different percentages of times that the, the students can be removed from the mainstream classroom. We call that a least restrictive environment. We are lacking in the level D area, and um, that conversation happened. I, I was on a break from the school board for about two years. Uh, we need to get that done. Now, what that looks like, I think, is what is being debated. What that looks like, where that's going to be, in what capacity, the training of teachers to try to, the goal is not to feed tr troubled kids into to level D. The goal is to get them back to completely mainstream classrooms. Do you support a separate facility, or where are you at with it? Uh, I, it, in order to comply with federal requirements, I think that we're required to. Are they saying, "Hey, if you don't do this, and we're going to pull some federal funding," or what's their? We're not at that point yet, not to my knowledge. Uh, but I don't even care about that. I care about getting these kids the services that they need to succeed. So, what would you say to the parents who are like, "Hey, look, if you put my kid in a separate school, he's going to get stigmatized, not socialized right." What's your response to that? The parents are on the IEP team, which is an individual education plan and there is a large team of uh, psychiatrists and counselors and administrators and teachers and parents and they all come together uh, and create this plan for their child with clear 
entry and exit strategies. Now, is everybody going to be happy all the time? No. Uh, parents have the right to appeal any of those choices, but to my knowledge, as long as I've been in the district, there have not been any, any appeals. I forgive if, I, if I'm missing somebody's appeal, but that is, that is the knowledge that I have right now. So uh, keep in mind that people in education aren't there to destroy kids' lives or to right. segregate kids. They care about kids. That's what brought them to this, this, this profession. Well, so I don't mean to interrupt you yeah. just because of time's sake, but the, the other piece of the pie to me is you say, hey, Chris, we've got to do whatever we can to improve academic progress. Well, part of the situation as well is that you've got the parents saying, hey, you're going to put my kid in a separate school. They get stigmatized. But the conversation that I don't think it's enough conversation is, hey, I'm not saying my kid, but hypothetically, what about my kid who's not causing problems, but now you're hurting he, his or her education because they've got to wait for the situation to get resolved? All of those things need to be considered in this conversation. And I think it's very important to, to underscore how much we care about all kids. We're not about segregating kids. We don't want to do that, but we want to give the kids the services that they need so they can learn. If, they, if they are having those issues, they're not learning well either. So let me ask you this. It's also in the survey, seven out of 10 teachers say when they show up to work, they're intimidated or fearful in their classrooms. Mm -hmm. I mean, that took my breath away when I first mm -hmm. read that. So you mentioned before about the safety. Are you comfortable to now having the language in the contract that says, hey, look, if you have some sort of incident that happens in school, you're not gonna have to use your sick time or your paid leave, we'll give you a separate opportunity to use days for that. You know, th those conversations are still going on with the negotiations at the negotiation table. But do you support table? that? Uh, it depends on how it's worded in the contract. There are so many legal jargon things that I don't do not feel qualified to talk about because I'm not on that committee. Um, but I, I am very concerned with teacher safety, and I take every every claim, every uh, injury very seriously. I've been injured myself in my after school programs. I know what it's like to 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 be in that situation, and um, those kids are crying out for help. And we need to be very sensitive to how we work with those kids so they can best achieve and be the best person that they are. God, I want to say thank you for being here tonight because we appreciate you getting a chance to speak to the community. With that being said, I want to play for We had Brian Toy on yep. talking about the boundary changes. I want to share with you a little exchange that he and I had and then give you a chance to respond. One of the things I do want to share is you, you shared with me off camera, hey, Chris, I've reached out to every single Fargo, Fargo School Board member, and they won't even take a meeting, respond to email. Where's that at? Well, some will. Um, you know, I, I sent a message out to the school board president trying to sit down with her to, to just show her the data and say, Here, here's, here's my concern, because I'm just going off the data. I'm just going off the numbers that I can get from the school board and what I can get from the RSB reports. And... I haven't been able to meet with them. I showed up to speak at the school board meeting on Tuesday, and I did speak. Uh, I provided them with uh, graphs with my data, but um, when my four minutes were up, they cut me off, and, and that was all I was able to say. So again, I'm very grateful that you're here, but you serve as your constituents. So if someone were to call you like he did and says, hey, I want to meet with you, are you going to meet with your constituents? I've, I've responded to every single one of Brian's emails, and Good. I believe I've responded to every email that was sent to the board individually. We get blanket emails that you say, contact board members, and I make a conscious effort to respond to each and Thank every you. one. I, I, that, I, I feel that is my responsibility as an elected official. I may have missed a few when we had some computer issues at work, um, but 
I would, I would assume if you ask Brian that question, he will confidently say yes, she responded to all of my emails. Thank you. And just to be clear for our audience, he was talking about the former president, not you, but that was heartbreaking to hear that. So last question on these boundary situations, do you support busing these students from Kennedy to Ben Franklin, or where are you at with the boundaries? That is a premature, premature comment. Tomorrow we will be working, we have a work retreat, it's at South High, I brought you an agenda. Thank you. This is the first time <laughs> the entire board will receive all of the information all of these uh, all of these small conversations are all part of the puzzle the task force was just part of that conversation puzzle as well we are considering uh, uh, demographic projections we are considering actual people in the seats we are talking with the city we are listening to the public and the constituents and so now it's the board's job to put all that together it's not going to be easy and somebody's not going to be happy I can guarantee that but we take these conversations very seriously because this is very important to families. And I am so thankful that so many have reached out that care. There's a very organized group in a certain neighborhood that we hear from mostly, but there are people from throughout the city that share their thoughts on this as well. So uh, we, we take that all in, and that is our responsibility as elected officials to respect every single one of those emails that we receive and every contact that we have had. Madam President, thank you for being here. It's great to have you here. We really, really appreciate it. Congratulations again on getting reelected. We know it's not an easy job, so uh, we appreciate you joining us tonight. Thank you. All right, thank you very much.